So, I pray, I'm sorry, y'all, I have to use these. I'm, I'm believing for a total healing. That's why I am. Don't have to use these eventually. Um, I preached this last year. But the Holy Spirit really put it on my heart to do this again. And I went to Dorman and I said, I'm, I'm supposed to do this. <laughs> he said, go for it. You know, he's so sweet. Anyway, so I, I, I just said, you know, Lord, what is it that I just felt like there was more? You know, have, have you ever felt like you're reading the word, but there's supposed to be more out of it that you're, get, you're supposed to get? And hey, the Holy Spirit really did show me some new things. And so this is a little different from last year. But I preached this last year. It's the fountain that was open. And do you know, we can't hear the word enough that we need to hear this word and not just hear it, but know it in our spirit. There's a difference. There's a difference in hearing the word and then actually knowing it in your spirit. So today I pray that everybody's mind will be open to hear and know the word, but also to see the truth in the word and to understand what, what he, Jesus did for us and the blood that he shed for us. So I'm going to preach today on the fountain that was open. In that day, there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. This is found in Zechariah 13.1. Zechariah saw a fountain flowing which provided cleansing for sin and for uncleanness. Prophecy, you know, usually refers to a special, special period of time. Jesus referred to this hour, this day, as his hour. In John 2, 4, Jesus said, Mine hour is not yet come. Later, when he was ministering to his disciples, he said, John 12, 23, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. In John 12, 27, Jesus says, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. Do you see how important this is? So the day of which Zechariah saw about a fountain being opened was the day the Son of Man paid the price for us. Let's look again, and let's read that again, Zechariah 13.1. In that day, there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and uncleanness. And let's look at Zechariah 3.9. It says, I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. In one day. In a short day's time, the Lamb of God, 
became the sin offering for the whole world in one day's time. The day Zechariah spoke of began when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane and ended when Jesus was nailed to the cross. He hung there and declared, It is finished. Did you know what it is finished means? It means that it's done. It has been accomplished. He has accomplished everything that God sent him to do. That's something to laugh about and praise God for. In Zechariah 13, 6 says, What are these wounds in thy hands? Then he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Israel will realize one day the mistake that their forefathers made. And they will accept Jesus as their Messiah because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Romans eleven twenty six says, And so all Israel shall be saved. Redemption was planned before creation was performed. I'm going to say that again. Redemption was planned before creation even began, before it was performed. Acts 2.23 says, Him being delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. See, Jesus Christ was crucified by God's plan. God foresaw and foreknew the exact manner in which Jesus would become the sin offering. The exact. Redemption was planned before creation. Isn't that awesome? In Revelation 13.8, John saw the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. The exact details were foreknown. It was foreseen in the spirit. Isaiah 56 says, I gave my back to those who struck me, my cheeks to those who plucked out my beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. It was predetermined that his appearance would be marred. Isaiah 52, 14 says, Just as many were astonished at you, They were astounded at what he looked like. His visage or his appearance was marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. In other words, he looked like a piece of chopped meat. It was foreknown that he would be smitten, pierced through, bruised, whipped, scourged, despised, oppressed, Afflicted and numbered with the criminals. Let's look in Isaiah 53. I love, love Isaiah. Isaiah 53, 3 through 5. He is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He, they just couldn't even look at him. He was so marred. 
He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. And then verse 7 says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Even in Deuteronomy 21-22, it says, If a man has committed a sin worthy of death, he is put to death, and, and you hang him on a tree. His body shall not remain overnight on the tree, but you shall bury him that day. The curse was put on those that hung on a tree, foreshadowing the curse Jesus would bear for us. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Jesus foretold his own crucifixion even. John 12.32 says, And I, if I be lifted up, from the earth will draw all men unto me. This he was signifying what manner of death he was going he should die. Again in Matthew twenty six two says, You know that after two days is the Passover, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. He was telling his disciples right there, I will be delivered up and crucified. Now, some of you here are still wondering what I'm talking about, a fountain. It's not a fountain of water. (laughs) The Holy Spirit revealed the manner and the procedure in which the fountain was opened. See, Jesus Christ, Jesus himself, Jesus Christ is the fountain. He is that fountain. He was sealed until the day his blood flowed. When the skin of his body was ripped open, it poured forth his precious blood. And the fountain was opened. (sighs) Revelations 1.5 says unto him that loved us and washed us. From our sins in his own blood. Now this is how the fountain was open. First Jesus went to the garden of Gethsemane. Which means oil press. Oil press. What do they do? They press those those olives. And they press them until the oil runs out. Now Jesus was put under extreme pressure in the garden. It took the Garden of Gethsemane to redeem us from the Garden of Eden. He had to go to the Garden first because 
He had to redeem our soul. What is the soul? The soul is the mind, your will, and your emotions. And what does Satan usually attack first? He attacks into your mind. He puts in plants those thoughts in your mind. He attacks our mind. He attacks our will. He attacks our emotions. Luke twenty two forty says, When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. That wasn't too far, was it? And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven to strengthen him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. The fountain was opened. Out dropped his precious blood from his brow. Medically speaking, if a person is put under extreme pressure, the capillaries can break open and out from the sweat can mix with blood. And our Jesus took all the weight of the world, of the soul, the soulish realm, your mind, your will, your emotions, all the, the emotions and, and will and the thoughts of other people, of everybody that ever lived before Christ, everybody that was living during Christ's reign on earth, everybody that's living today, and everybody in the future. He took all of that. Can you imagine all the horrible thoughts, all of the perverted thoughts that people have, their decisions that they make, the horrible decisions they make with their will, and all the mixed-up demonic emotions people have of everybody that's ever lived or that's living now? Or what about your thoughts? Your will, your emotions, my emotions. He took it. He took it so that we don't have to have it. He gave us a perfect mind. Even the three disciples that kept falling asleep there in the garden. He told them three times. He said, can't you pray with me? He was getting agitated at them even. And I was in my office one day talking to a lady about this, and she, I, the Holy Spirit says, I put them to sleep. And I, in my mind, I was like, what? And he said, I put them to sleep. Even the, they had to be redeemed. Their mind had to be redeemed. They couldn't pray. They couldn't pray for Jesus because it took. He was the only one that could go and take this for our soulish realm. He is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. No one could take that but him. So Jesus took our soul, our old mind, our old will, and our emotions and exchanged and gave us his mind, his will, and his emotions. 
And you know, God was so pleased with him. Uh, let's look in Isaiah 53.10. It says, It pleased the Lord to bruise him, to put him to grief when he made his soul an offering for sin. It pleased God. Isaiah 53.11 says, He shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. Who saw the travail of his soul? God did. God saw the travail of Jesus' soul and was satisfied. Jesus paid the price for our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions with his precious blood. This was the first exchange. The fountain was opened the second time. His back was opened with a Roman scourge at the whipping post. Jesus had been awake at least 24 hours by this time and was physically worn. It was a miracle that he could survive the Roman scourging. I found out that there wasn't a cat of nine tails that we always heard and thought was the weapon that was used. It wasn't even developed till centuries later. They used the flagellum, uh, which was a precision-built instrument. It looked more like a rake that was um, had had. Uh, you can look this up and look it online. It had metal pieces in between the, and it was like this, and it it um, it was on a a whip, but it was uh, it didn't move around. The, this part of the the metal part was straight, like a rake. The sharp bronze metal tips pierced at equal distant points into Jesus' back every time they threw it. The blows were placed high up on his head and neck and shoulders and ripped the flesh in straight lines all the way down to his legs. This was foretold in Psalms 129.3. The plowers plowed upon my back. See how they, he, he was telling about it. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows, comparing his scourging to the plowing of a field. The plowers were the Roman soldiers. They plowed with the flagellum (laughs) in long stripes from the top of his neck to the bottom of his feet. They even ripped his feet up. Again, in Isaiah 56, it says, I gave my back to the smiters. He gave himself. He gave it to him. He didn't resist. You know, uh, it was commonly thought that 39 blows were inflicted upon him due to the Jewish custom. But Jesus wasn't scourged by the Jews. He was scourged by the Romans. So he may have been beaten beaten more than 39 times. <clears throat> but God gave Jesus strength 
to endure the whipping posts. Remember, God sent an angel in the garden to strengthen him. All this was done as the means by which all sickness, all disease, and all infirmity are done away with. Do you hear that? They're done away with. My personal belief is that there was not one place on Jesus' body that was not cut, slashed, bruised, even the front of his body. I'm sure they turned him over. Every organ in his body was inflicted. Every organ. From head to toe. That means that every disease, every disease that was ever before Jesus, every disease that was on the earth while Jesus was alive, every disease now and every disease, unknown disease, right, in the future, is taken care of by the stripes of Jesus. He took it all. He took all disease on himself. And he exchanged that and gave us healing and wholeness. The blood gushed from his back. The stripes were the raw, bloody flesh hanging all over his body. I have a picture in my mind. If you've ever used shears before, garden shears, I can just see his, this, the flesh hanging from all parts of his body, just like somebody took shears and ripped him to pieces. I know I'm very graphic today, but this is so important that you see and understand this picture. Because he did this for you. Isaiah 53, 5 says, By his stripes we are healed. Are healed means that it is done. It is already done. Jesus paid the price for our healing with his precious blood. This was the second exchange. The fountain was opened the third time. The crown of thorns worn, uh, the th- that crown of thorns that was woven from the thorn bush in the Middle East opened Jesus' head to let the cleansing blood flow. Uh, this bush in the Middle East uh, is different from our thorn bushes. Our thorn bushes have... Oh, medium to long, it depends on the bush, have medium to long thorns on them. And they're, they're pretty sparse and they're spaced apart, you know. But the thorn bushes in the Middle East, in Jerusalem, around the Jerusalem area, uh, have their thorns just all over the bush. They're thick thorns and they're smaller thorns, but they're thicker. There's a lot of thorns, and they have a stinging poison in the tip of the thorn. And uh, that, when that was pushed down on his scalp, that poison was released into his scalp. And the stinging sensation from that tormenting burning was in his scalp. 
Matthew 27, 30 says, Then the mockers took a reed and struck him on the head. They took a stick and hit him over their head with that thorns, and it just buried down into the scalp, to his skull, which buried that, and his blood flowed forth. The crown of thorns shows that Jesus took all poverty for us. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Jesus became poor so we could become rich. When Adam fell in the Garden of Eden, the Lord said in Genesis 3, 17, I'll say it in a minute, 3, 17, Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. But both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. But when his precious blood flowed down, soaking his head down upon his robe and down into the ground, he took all poverty on himself. The curse was broken. The poverty curse was broken. He exchanged poverty for provision. So that we could have the riches of heaven as a child of the king. Jesus paid the price to redeem us from poverty. This was the third exchange. The fountain was opened the fourth time. His hands were nailed by the sharp Roman spikes to the wooden cross. His feet were placed one on top of the other while the spike was driven into his flesh. These spikes were not small. They had to be either seven to nine inches long or longer. They had to drive through the flesh and the bone and into the wood. This was all done while the cross was on the ground. In Psalms twenty two sixteen it says, They pierced my hands and my feet. He freely gave himself and laid himself down. I do not believe that any soldier forced him to lay down. A lot of movies show and predict show him them, you know, the Romans forcing his hand down. No, he freely laid himself down. He gave himself freely. Then it probably took several soldiers to heave the cross up with Jesus nailed to it. And they dropped the cross into a hole in the ground. The weight of his body and the dropping of the cross ripped his flesh even more 
and pulled all of his joints out of place. Psalms 22, 14 says, I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It has melted within me. He is our Passover lamb. Christ is our Passover lamb. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says that Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Galatians 3.13 says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Jesus was cursed on that tree in our place and bore our sin in his own body. He took our sin. Completely redeeming us from sin. First Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness. Jesus died. When he died, he said, It is finished, meaning it's complete. It is over. It is finished. It's complete. You know, the normal reaction of a person when they die, they breathe their last breath, and then their body goes limp. Their head drops. That's a normal reaction. But Jesus gave himself to death for you and for me. He bowed his head. He he said it's finished. He knew it was time. He bowed his head and released his spirit to God. He knew when it was time. He gave himself once more for us. Let's look in John 10, 17. Therefore my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. He exchanged death for life for us. He died for us so that we could live forever. And he exchanged our sins for his righteousness. Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through his blood. He became sin so that we could have righteousness. Jesus paid the price for our spirit with his precious, precious blood. This was the fourth exchange. The fountain was opened the fifth time. It was the custom of the soldiers to break the legs of those still living <clears throat> toward the late afternoon to hasten the death. Let's look in John nineteen thirty three. When they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, 
they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. This fulfilled the scriptures once more. For David said in Psalms 34:20, He keeps all of his bones, not one of them is broken. In Exodus 12, 46, concerning the Passover lamb, we read, Neither shall ye break a bone thereof. The bones of Jesus, unlike the others crucified that day, remained whole. I believe now that the spear that pierced up, pierced his side, pierced his heart, and out from his heart, poured the precious blood and the water. I also believe that the water that poured out from his side was a supernatural sign. Medically, when you have water collect around your chest wall and around your heart, some of you are nurses, you know it's not clear water. It's usually mixed with blood. But when he was pierced in his side, out flowed the water. He gave us his living water. John seven thirty eight says, He who believes in me, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. Jeremiah seventeen thirteen says, He is that fountain of living water. It was a sign from God, just as it was a sign God gave the Israelites when Moses told them to strike the rock at Horeb. Exodus 17.6 says, Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it that the people may drink. See, the desert rock provided water for the physical thirst. But Jesus, the crucified rock, provides water for the living and the spiritual thirst. John 4.14 says, Jesus was speaking here. He says, whoever drinks of this water will never thirst again. 1 John 5, 6 through 8 says, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. For there are three who bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, And the Holy Spirit, these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. These three agree as one. He is that lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Exodus 12 talks about I don't have that on the sheet, but it talks about the instructions for the Passover. God said, kill a lamb without blemish. Take its blood, put it on both sides of the doorpost and on the lintel of the house. Roast the lamb, eat the entire lamb, 
and all of it, not leaving any of it. <laughs> now the blood that they put on the doorpost was a sign for all death and disease to pass over. And the lamb was a sign for all redemption for all of Israel. I, when I was praying about this, I kept hearing the Holy Spirit say, every drop of blood is important. Every drop of blood is important. I kept saying, okay, Holy Spirit, tell me. What are you saying? I need to know. And, and just as the Israelites took all of the blood of the Lamb, and they drained it out, and they put all that blood on their doorpost and on the lintel, the spotless lamb to redeem and deliver them. And they ate the whole lamb. Jesus gave himself completely whole to us. So it took all of Jesus' blood, every drop of Jesus' blood to deliver and redeem us completely. Psalms twenty two fourteen. I know I've read this, but I wanted to look at the last part. It says, my heart is like wax. It has melted within me. See, Jesus' heart was broken for the sins of the world. His heart was melted within him. He died of a broken heart. Jesus gave himself completely. When his heart was pierced, outflowed that precious blood. Even in death, he exchanged his heart for ours. He was already dead. But he exchanged his heart for us so that he gave us his heart of love. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take that heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Jesus was that fountain that was willing to be poured out. And it's all because of that precious blood of Jesus. That we're alive today. This was the fifth exchange. You know, there is life in his blood. There is power in his blood. There's provision in his blood. There is healing in his blood. There's deliverance. In his blood. There's salvation in his blood. And there's freedom in his blood. There is freedom in his life. He has given us the life-flowing power. The life is in the blood. I just feel like there's someone here today. I don't know why, but I felt I was supposed to do this. That... There's someone here that needs Jesus in a deeper way in their life. They need to pray that prayer and ask Jesus to come in their heart and know the life-giving flow 
of what Jesus has given us. And so I want everybody, all of us here today, to pray this prayer and just repeat after me. Dear God, forgive me of the sins in my life. I turn from my sin. I put my faith in you, Jesus, the Lord of lords and King of kings. I believe, Jesus, that you died for all my sins. Every drop of your blood was shed for me. And I believe you were raised to life again for me. I trust you as my Savior. And I will follow you all the days of my life. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Fill me with your living water. That I may never thirst again. You know, there's power about speaking the word out loud. In fact, I, a lot of, most of the time I never pray silently. I really don't. <laughs> I don't care who's around me. I just pray it out loud. It, there's power in declaring the active and alive word out loud. It sets in motion... The power of the word. And so right now, we're, we're just going to have a prayer of exchange. Everyone here, if you realize what Jesus has done for you, you are special. Every one of you is special. Unique in God's eyes. You are created in God's likeness, but you are also created special and unique. And each one of you, if you realize the power, the power of the blood and what he did, the complete work that he did, that nothing, nothing can stop you. Nothing can hold you back. Not any disease, not any infirmity. There's some of you that, that I know that are going through changes in your life. There's, there's, there's job changes. There's, there's people that don't know exactly where they're going to go. They might be sent out different places, you know. They are, there might be people here that, that have some kind of disease in their, li- in their body right now. Or you know somebody that has something wrong with them. You know somebody that needs to hear this word. It's not because I'm preaching it. They need the word of God in their life. They need to know the power behind the blood of Jesus and what he's done for them. But some of you are are needing not just to under, to understand or read the word, but to you need to know that it is finished. It's already finished. It's not something that you can work up or do. It's already exchanged. It's already done. There's nothing more that can be done. Nothing more can be done. And if we add to it, 
we're, we're cursing the word. There's nothing more that we can do. It's finished. He did it all in one day for us. But the power of declaring this and knowing that you are whole. You are perfect. And I know that sounds makes you feel kind of funny to say that, but you are perfect. You are perfect. So pray with me and let's declare the word. Let's declare this exchange, okay? I declare that my mind is whole. Jesus, you exchanged my old mind, my will, and my emotions for your mind, your will, and your emotions. And I declare that I am whole. And Satan... You will not put any bad thoughts in my mind. You will not make me do things that I don't want to do. You will not play ping pong with my emotions. Oh, yeah. Some of you have that ping pong ball. Throw that ping pong ball out. In the name of Jesus. I declare that my body is whole. Jesus, you exchanged all sickness, all disease, all infirmity by your blood, by your precious stripes. And I received wholeness and health. And I, Satan... You will not put any disease on me. (laughs) I will laugh in your face. You will not come near my dwelling place. My family is whole. And my family is healthy. I declare that no poverty will come nigh me. Jesus, you took and exchanged. You took poverty and exchanged it for provision. I am a child of the King. I have all the riches of heaven. And you have provided for me. I receive that by your precious blood. Jesus, your heart was pierced so that I could have a new heart. And I know you exchanged your heart for mine. And I have a brand new heart. And I thank you, Lord, for that exchange. I receive all the fullness you have of the spirit that you took 
all sickness from me, all disease and all infirmity. You took all sin from my life. And you bore that on the cross. And I declare, I am free. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We are free. And once you realize the power in every drop of his blood, how precious his blood is, you will never sing those songs again without knowing and understanding how important every drop, even after he died, every drop of that blood had to come out of his heart. How important that was. We have a new heart. We have a new mind in him. And we are completely whole. Amen, amen. Y'all have a good day. Amen.